Welcome back to Graveyard Shift. I'm Frankie Campbelletti, your host. And I am Jeremy David King. Jeremy David King. King, we're back. Yes. God damn it, it's been a long time, King. We've had so much shit going on. We have so much stuff going on. It's just it's, craziness. It's just craziness. It's crazy. It was, I can't even explain how I crazy. It, the last time we did something was February 4th. Oh, my God. And and Jimbo Salazar is here for one second. Hey, Jimbo. How are you doing? I am fabutabulous. Oh. When are y'all going to come down to Georgia? I would love to go we to Georgia. We got pro-abortion laws now. It's crazy down there. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> crazy. Man talking to a woman about how to control her body. It's insane. <laughs> insane. It's insane. I, I love what y'all doing with the podcast. I love paranormals. Paranormals? Love them. Both of them? I love all of them. All of them? All the genders. All the gay genders. How many There's, genders are there? How many gay ghosts have you come across, though? Uh, none that so I know. So y'all never talk about it. There's a hundred <laughs> shows on TV. You ain't never talk about gay ghosts. You ain't talk about trans ghosts. <laughs> There's transgender ghosts out there. Are there are there? people that died in the 30s that wanted to be women or men or thought or identified that way. <laughs> y'all ain't asking the real questions is what's happening down here. When y'all coming down to my peach? Your peach. I love peaches. Well, they're know. about to come out. We love got it. summer peaches coming out. Josie is the things you ever seen in your life. Not biking <laughs> into a bee's ass. It's unbelievable. Honey just drips off your tongue. <laughs> I'm moving to the country. Going to eat a lot of peaches. Anyway, I just want to say that I love and appreciate all y'all doing with the paranorms. Well, I appreciate you too, Jimbo. It's all about for- believability. And guess what? When you be alive... When you realize, <laughs> you realize, you realize, you yes, right. You legitimize, and you realize, and you realize, and you tell people, <laughs> hey, when you're saying stuff up there, you debunk the hell out of it. We debunk it. When Mister Walker's just writing stuff without even thinking about it. I <laughs> love Mister Stephen Walker. He doesn't write the lamp book, but y'all gonna do some lamp series on it. Y'all gonna debunk some stuff tonight, aren't you? We are going to do that. I'm excited to hear it. Listen, I got to go back. My plane leaves in an hour. That sweet paid Georgia state, aside from our stupid ass prohibition, prohibition, pro-abortion laws. Horrible. <laughs> are you, now when, when you go back, are you going to get some pecans or are they pecans? They're pecans. Pecans? We call them, I call them pecans. Mama called them pecans. So we call them pecans. But you can say butter pecan. That's cool too. That's normally, yeah, I, that's why I say it. It's insane. It's insane. I know um, Frankie's talking uh, to a new friend there, Megan. She loves butter pecan. That's how she says it. Pecan. Pecan, butter pecan. Um, but um, at the end of the day, I wish y'all the best of luck. I'm headed back to my asshole state that's still in the Civil War era. Um, <laughs> but there's some beautiful things down there. And once y'all come visit me, I would love to come visit you. Okay, we're going to step on some mint juleps. Mint juleps. Yes, huh? I, I I have no clue what that is, but does it got alcohol in it? It does have alcohol. I'm in it. Me and Daddy used to sit out on the porch and drink mint juleps, watch some butterflies <laughs> and don't fly on our toes <laughs> while the bees buzzed around our heads. It's beautiful summers in Georgia. Unfortunately, you know we just have some problems down there. We're gonna figure them out. We're gonna figure them out, and hopefully you can find out if there's a ghost in my house. I would love to check out your house for a ghost. All right. Well, I love y'all very much. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Jimbo. Thanks, Jimbo. I appreciate it, man. That was Jimbo Salazar making a little, yeah. making a little. He was in town for a conference on on life coaching and stuff. On life coaching, yeah. he was he was meeting up with Tony Robbins. Yeah, yeah, he was and, trying to help one of his cases, but she done so, lost her mind. He said, so uh, uh, I don't know. Did he did he mention that he ran into? He told me earlier he ran into Stuart Smalley. <laughs> he gets that a lot. The Stuart Smalley. That's actually just his accent. I mean, he's just from that part of Georgia where they, you know, talk with all honey in their mouth. So. um 
So yes, the last time we did a podcast, it was actually on the God Helmet. Oh my gosh! And yeah, it was dude. with our our good friend Aaron. Sh- Aaron Shields. Shields. Shields of power. Shields. Feminist. Shields. Badass woman. Now, does she carry... So fucking cute, too. God damn, is she cute. Anyway, I miss Aaron. I miss Aaron like, bothering me. Bothering you? Yeah, she's always like, you're such a Republican. Like that. Oh, I can't... Which I don't really identify with the political party right now. <laughs> I identify with my views. I Well, yeah, I would be... You know the, who the best president for you is? Who? You. That's right. Same thing here. Best way to drink your coffee? The way you like to. Exactly. There you go. That's how I like my coffee. The yeah. way I want it. Absolutely. We got people at Sampa where they're scolding people for putting cream and sugar in their coffee. Like, go oh, fuck yourself. You're not from fucking Miami. What are you talking about? Yeah. I do my yeah, coffee yeah, way yeah. I want to do my fucking coffee. At the coffee. end of the day, what are you going to do? At the end of the day, I'm pleased by the way I'm doing my fucking <laughs> coffee. You do your thing, I'll do my thing, all right? Just pour the fucking coffee, all right? But what do I know? But what do I know, huh? But what do I Listen, know? Listen, at the end of the day, everybody's peaceful. Everybody gets along. But let me tell you something. Get my face about my fucking coffee, all right? Yeah. It's a Fugazi coffee it's over there. It's a Fugazi there. coffee. All right, tell us everybody what we're talking about tonight, Jeremy. We're going to talk about Chuck Limp. We're going to talk about Chucky. <laughs> Good old. Not a, not a not a not a ginger doll that <laughs> crawled into a and fireplace actually, to be burned. Who does Charles Limp look like in this photo? <laughs> uh, Colonel Clink. Colonel Clink. He does look. Chaucy. Like Colonel Clink. He totally looks like Colonel Clink. I've this said that crazy. for years. He does. Give him a monocle, and he is all of a sudden a Nazi leader. So if you're following us online, a couple, a lot of, a lot of historians came out this week and posted on, of course, May 10th was, is the anniversary of uh, Charles's death. Um, he died in 1949 on May 10th. Um, he took his own life and we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, there was some conjecture out there and, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a tiff back and forth between me and another historian who we respect greatly, always have, always will. And, and part of, part of Facebook is actually having an open forum. Part of Facebook is that it is a forum, it is a platform for social media, and it's okay to be wrong. I was wrong yep. in the same post. I thought the note, and if you look at the note that I have here, I thought the note said, if I'm found dead, blame no one but me. Right. And it doesn't say that. Actually, you know, Stephen was right. It says, blame it on me, and I don't have the it part in my note. Right. So, you know, I spoke too soon. Yeah, and I got a little trigger happy there. I had a lot of information to share about Charles, and you know what? This is our platform. This, right. is, this is the podcast. So we appreciate all the work Stephen Walker has done. It's great. It actually gave us the legwork to get where we are. But we have furthered a lot of the research, too. Oh, yeah. And We've I, taken it way down the road. Exactly. And, and that's what you do. You I mean, you kick the ball down the field, and hopefully we can score. And, you know, everybody's on the same page. We've never not shared information. We've put our stuff out there. There's about 150 people in this town that know exactly what happened with the Elsa Lent movie. Because right. they were at our presentation that me and Walker did together. So just an extended love and gratitude, you know, like, we love Stephen Walker. He's one of the best historians in Lemp. He's the one that got it started. And so, like... If you said some of our posts, we went back and forth. I mean, that's what historians do, guys. That's what we do. And we had a private conversation about it, and we talked it out. And we, we said that we'd probably take it up privately from now on and not put it on a, on a Facebook, which I kind of disagree with still because it is an open forum, and people want to get that information. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Jeremy? Well, I like to argue. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind arguing. I think, I think that that open forum is how we out the truths. And it's also how we eliminate the the fallacies. I mean, there's a lot of uh, conjecture. There's a lot of just fake stories out there about specifically about the limps in St. Louis. Absolutely, and I think Stephen has done his part to you know right the wrongs and right the ship. Um, but you know, we're also going to say another thing too. Here is that like you know we have to to that point exactly is, is a person by the name of Troy Taylor. 
Troy Taylor. And Troy Taylor has, you know, great esteem within the paranormal community. But, you know, Stephen's never going to say this, and this is not from Stephen. This is not from Chris Nafsig or anything. This is from our own behalf. Is like, I've read the books. Exactly. We've read the books, and we know yeah. who wrote it first. And, like, Troy Taylor is a piece of shit, in my opinion, because he basically plagiarized all of Stephen Walker's work. Yep. Now, Stephen has a good heart. He's a heart of gold. And he's not going to go after somebody. He's not going to make some kind of publicity about it. But you know what? We're a shift. We're a fucking communications company. We're a journalist. And we are going to make a big deal about yep. it. Uh, I don't think anything Chore Trailer has written is fucking his own work. Probably not. And that's what we're going to say about that. At least from what I've read. And I've read more than a few. You know? Like, yeah. Troy, you know, great. You did a, you did a lot for mm-hmm. ghost hunting and everything. But, you know, the I, I think we can tell the books that you did write because they're a little bit boring. They're really boring. And, yeah. and, and, you know, Stephen wrote with Strokes of Genius and, and, and opened up the entire Lemp line to a lot of people. And so... You know, we, we had some, you know, instant messages come in because I think that me and Steven both have a lot of fans in the Lemp family and we get a little overzealous sometimes. We get a little um, excited about sharing Lemp information and maybe, you know, that wasn't the right time and place. And I probably should have, you know, sent it to Steven first, right. which I which we've talked about. I've, I've sent it to him. He's seen the message. And, and so, uh, yeah, like I said, we just want to, you know, extend once again our gratitude for all the work that he's done in the, in the Lemp community and the Lemp family. And, um, you know, he knows a lot about the Elsa stuff. He knows all our findings that we've done. He's, right. he's been a part of that presentation. He's, been, he's had access to everything that we've seen him. We've, we've stumped him on some things. And at right. the end of the day, he stumped us on some things. And that's what right. we're supposed to do. That's how we further the knowledge. If we're, it's exactly what you said, Jeremy. I agree 100%. If we're not learning from each other, then we're talking at each other. Right. And that's, you know, that's not education. Nope. We can't um, just bark at each other. We have to – there's give and take. So, so some of the things that, that um, actually Stephen did say on his post, which is actually not coming, it's coming from his book, which is, if you haven't picked it up, um, we always have it on hand at our speaking engagements, and we, we sell that book for him. We also have his other book, which is Ghost Among Us, which is awesome. But, you know, getting right into it, um, <laughs> um, Stephen basically um, has a couple things that, 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 we, that I want to share. Um, and we're doing this on the air because we have a really good following right now on our podcast. And, and we're not apologizing for not doing podcasts every week. That's not how our show works. Um, yeah. It's We've just been not. so busy. You know, we had the we had the film festival. Yeah, it did amazing. We sold uh, out. It was incredible. You know, I, 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 I'm a teacher, and this is a crazy time. I just uh, had an art show go. You helped me hang it. Yep. Uh, All the way up in Blue Mountain, Illinois. <laughs> that was great. It was a fun weekend. We went up to, uh, uh, um, we went up to uh, Arthur. Oh yeah, we we saw checked the, out the Amish people. Yeah, we saw the Amish people. We stole some uh, stole some apple butter, and then we forgot about it. So and we it forgot went, about it. So went went bad. bad. Yeah, yeah. Omens, you know, <laughs> we didn't steal Amish people's stuff. We watched them play baseball, which was amazing. Um, we went to the we went to the Yoders. grocery store. Yoders or Yoders? Yoders is the restaurant. Yoders is the restaurant. What's the and name? And Beachies. Beachies. Went to Beachies. The bulk food. Place. That's really fun. So if you're ever in Illinois, it's about an hour from Blue Mound. I would say. It's yep. called Arthur, Illinois, and it's an entire Amish community, and you can go to all the different antique stores. It's a lot of fun. Super cool. A lot of fun. Not a lot of haunting. Didn't see a lot of haunting stuff up there. I think it has a lot to do with you know their religion. Their really Amish, doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really go into it, but it's still a very cool old town. So, what do you think when Amish people like they're in their old house, mm-hmm. right? These houses are old, mm-hmm. and like you know, like their their grandma walks down the steps. She's been dead for forty years. Uh, mm-hmm. How do they deal with that? Um. How are you now? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly they're from Letterkenny. <laughs> <laughs> Fix 
figured it out. <laughs> figured it out. <laughs> figured it out, Grandma. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. I think that I think it's a lot of what you said in our earlier on our earlier podcast, right? I mean, like if you're ignoring it, you're not going to get the the experiences. I, I think I, I right. think that it's really about a mindset and. Whether that's, you know, pareidolia or whatever the hell that, you know, matrixing. or matrixing or, you know, I, you know, I'm not on the team, the paranormal task force team anymore, unfortunately. Um, there was a, there was a, a bit of a disagreements. A falling out. A falling out a little bit. Yeah. But Jeremy's still on the team, so I encourage you to, um, he's now vice president of the team, which is awesome. Yep. And um, I still encourage you to check out uh, paranormal task force events. They're great events. Um I will never for the life of me ever believe that the tea house is haunted. Um, and that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> um, I think Potosi is. It's just not active. No comment. Right. No, and, you, and you shouldn't. Uh, we're just kind of airing some stuff out that's what happened over the last couple months. We had our film festival, which was yeah. super successful, super fun. Um, we me and had, you got in a big fight. Me and you got, that's right. We got in a big fight. We should have been on the air for that one. Oh, my God. That was our third fight in our six-year history. Oh, yeah. We're best friends. Remember the remember the. <laughs> we actually went to Salt and Smoke. If you're in St. Louis and you want really good barbecue, there's a lot of places for it. But this Salt and Smoke, <laughs> the the mac and cheese it had crackers on it. Jesus Christ. God, I love saltines. Dude, that cream corn is like out of this oh world. And we also tried toasted ravioli with fucking with burnt ends with in it. Oh my god, it, it was like, so freaking awesome. I don't know. I know. I've heard. I've only heard rumors about um, Salt and Smoke's chef. They have to get him in every morning with a crane. Um, they just load them in. They back it up and they load them in. And um, you cannot trust a skinny chef. Everything was good. We also had their. They um, eat kale. If we had skinny. their what? Their bologna with cheese and jalapeno. Oh my god, the bologna. God. Like I was like that. That you know I. I I'm not gonna lie. I like fried bologna. Oh my god! And, and when we and saw that, our two little fat kids just I was like, inside oh, us. fat bologna. It's it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, See, I will be having the bologna. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it was so good. It's so good. It was and so good. We always do shout outs to Forehands and Schlafly, and but we need to shout, some shout outs to these restaurants, man. Like, so if you're in St. Louis and you want good barbecue, there's Bogarts, there's Pappies, there's Adam's Smokehouse, um, there's Southern Table, um, there's Southern. Uh, but man, Salt and that Smoke, salt and man, smoke was legit. Oh my god! And then there's uh, Sugar Fire. Is that the place with the, I was getting ready to say the Franken Tots? Yeah, Sugar yeah, Fire is fucking are, awesome too. Those are freaking. They amazing. also own um, the High Point Drive-in. So oh, dude, do you remember burgers. those burgers? Yeah, yeah, dude. Oh god, you had the, the taco one. Remember? Yeah, dude, it was huge. Fucking amazing. Um, and then there's Stacked. Stacked is in Crondelet. I have not been to that one. I got to eat there with my lady friend yesterday. I got a little bit of crush on, just, just oh. crushing on her a little bit. She's kind of cute. I don't know. I have a crush on she somebody too. She has really too. big eyes. I'm always really into like aesthetics. Like big eyes are just really aesthetically. Pleasing. I like big things too. <laughs> I mean, we're not eyes. getting into that. We're gonna keep this I like, G. I like big eyes too. I love you, Sarah. Um, but uh, so yeah, I mean, overall, like you know, our first fifteen minutes was kind of just like you know, hey, what we've been doing. We have cringe, which is our one of our another narratives for this we, year. We did a one day shoot on this movie. We did a one day it shoot. was freaking insane. Yep. What was it? Who was the AD? Because that kid kept yelling at me. Justin. He's like, shut the fuck up, Justin. fat boy. I mean, it was like, okay, I'm sorry, Justin, uh, Miles Minar, we had Leo Ramsey, we had John Baldwin, one of our partners in Shift. It just we had went Madison Price was there. Smooth um, as... So oh, the makeup chick? 
Makeup chick was Ellie Spiny. Dude, she turned her arm into like she looked like she had been bitten by a zombie. Yeah, it's just like so much appreciation. Uh, Riona was oh, kick yep. ass. My my camera girl. I mean, this girl is the next big thing in cinematography. Um, Miles is actually DPing um, the Elsa film yeah. right now, so he's really excited about that. We have um, Carly Rosenbaum, who's going to be playing Elsa Lemp. She's actually was oh, we that's did her the, paperwork this yeah, week. Yeah, I, so I met yeah. her uh, by yeah. meeting. Yeah. Um, Carly is insanely talented. She just graduated from WashU, so congratulations on that. Hey, look, there's some, if you're going to be an artist <laughs> in St. Louis, it's got to be from WashU, right? That's right, absolutely. Um, well, we have some Webster kids too. I mean, we mentioned a lot of Webster too. I mean, oh, I mean, you know, fine arts. Yeah, fine yeah. arts. That's yeah, the, sure. That's that place where you know I was in that meeting. Sure. Remember that story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just trying to. We're trying to mention everybody that was really a part of everything, and of course, oh, you the know, actors. All the actors, we had Nick Kelly, who just went through a huge surgery he right now. He just had like a stent put yeah. in his neck. he almost fucking died. And his yeah. wife was like, dude, you need to go to the hospital. And, um, and he's yeah. like, screw that. Yeah, and he, was, like, he had no, like a going. 98 block on his carotid artery. Yeah, and so they like threw a, a, they threw a stent in there. Yeah, opened it up and he got like brain function again. Oh my God. And so so I'm talking to Nick. like, And Frankie's standing behind me. I'm like, oh, so what high school did you go to? And Frankie's mm-hmm. like, oh, this shit again? Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I went to Francis Howe North. I was yeah. like, me too. What year did you graduate? I think he graduated, what, 96? He was a year before me. Yeah. Like, we have common yeah, he's friends. My age. Yeah. yeah. So Nick's we had common age. friends. And, and, he, and Frankie's standing back there rolling his eyes at me. I was like, proven again. Ask the high school. Absolutely. And we're just so proud that um, Nick Kelly has a beautiful wife that cares about him and like did yeah, the right thing. and Didn't let him die. Didn't let him die. Exactly. That's what your wife's supposed to do, right? right. At the end of the day. Hey, know? Sarah, so, remember that. Don't let me die. Don't let me die. Don't let me die. So we're happy that Nick Kelly's sticking around a little bit longer. Yep. Um, we had Eric Dean White, one of the best fucking actors in St. Louis, Dude, right along with Nick Kelly. Awesome. We had. Um, he was awesome. We had uh, Ford. Oh yeah, Ford fans. So we 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 had Ford. We flew Ford out from L.A. Another crazy and talented actor. And this is for the film Cringe that was written from our dear friend um, who passed last year due to suicide, which is a big thing on Shift's mind always. Uh, most of us have a tattoo of the semicolon, um, or they're getting it soon. Oh, not me. Yeah, it'll only take a second. You won't feel a thing. I, I, I'm going to have to be like Phoebe. You're just going to give me the one We'll dot. just give you a volume. You'll be fine. I'm willing to try that. Yeah. <laughs> sit on a chair. Boom. You're done. Uh, I want a sailboat on my chest. <laughs> oh, sailboat. <laughs> so Eric Dean Way did an amazing job. So Cringe is actually was written by Jason C. Clayfish. Um, it's a crazy, crazy film. It's going to be about 24 minutes when it's all said and done. It is produced by Shift, uh, Ryan Foise, and myself. Um, Ryan was very good friends with Jason, and so um, he wanted to. Initially, it was his idea to actually do the mm-hmm. film. Um, unfortunately, you know, we had to move things around and stuff, and we're not going to get into that on our podcast. But um, at the end of the day, everybody's happy. Everybody's on the same page. Um, and Cringe will premiere on September uh, 12th at Tivoli and more information and more details will be coming on our website and on shift films, Facebook page. Um, that's coming up awesome. Soon. Yes. That'll awesome. be the second, the second movie opening that I've been to the Tivoli that I've been involved in. That's right. Yeah. Cause the haunted boy premiered there too. Yeah. I mean, the Tivoli just offers some really good programs for us. And like I said, cringe is really about getting people to come together and look at, it's really, really about Jason's writing. And we tried to do the best that we could, um, with what we have. And I think that we have something really special. Um, Leo Ramsey is actually shooting one of our films out in LA right now um, called Jackie Baby. He's on that. And so we talked a little bit last night and um, we're really close. We're really close to, to um, 
Cringe is going to be a special film. I think it's going to be um, really important. You know, uh, Graveyard's not producing that one. Graveyard is producing uh, Pool Door, which we really don't have a lot more updates on Pool Door. Um, the the script is still in place. Uh, Carly's interested in playing Mercy. So we have a couple of possible locations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You were even talking about shooting in my house. I live in a creepy old Victorian house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can mm-hmm. definitely shoot it there. So the that's attic. basically the updates on what um, Shift and Shift. We Shift Speaks, we did the Monkey Boy presentation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we did. did the Monkey Boy presentation. We did. Um, oh, we did the Exorcist. We did the Exorcist presentation. So we've been super, super busy. On it's not like we've been sitting on our laurels. Right. Exactly. Not resting on them yet. Not resting. Um, Ara is actually going through another bout of film festivals. She's was entered in two sci-fi film festivals, including the Roswell Film Festival. Nanu, um, nanu. Nanu, nanu. So we're hoping that, you know, hear good things from Aura. Um, so, I mean, that that is basically, I'm trying to go through everybody on our list here. And, you know, just just doing it. I mean, Madison's album's coming out. Madison is our creative director and our music director for our film company. Basically, she selects all the music that needs to be in the films. And we try to keep those uh, local. We try to keep them St. Louis worthy. I keep pushing Metallica. She just, <laughs> she's just not getting it. She's not, she's she's not, not listening. She's not listening to you. Can she hear this? No, she hey, loves, Madison. Metallica. Yeah, she loves her jerk hair. <laughs> um, anyway, Madison's album actually comes out this year, so she's been working hard on that. We're really excited about that. She has some sick fucking songs coming out. One's called King Cobra, my personal favorite. Um, just a beautiful album. Is she going to sing a song called Warhammer? <laughs> Warhammer? No. I told her I'd, I'd, I'd sit in as a studio musician. <laughs> I play. <laughs> I bet you do. Um, I can play drums. So you know, with that, that's kind of our um, that's kind of our hoop to do. I know you guys haven't heard us from a while, so we thought we'd give you a nice twenty minute introduction about all of the good things. We love you guys. We love you so much, and thank you so much for the support. I mean, we do have more than three followers now. We're growing. Yeah, uh, people love our show. We don't. We have all five star ratings. Um, so we really appreciate that support. We love that you like the new form. It's not so stuffy and tight shirt. Like Aaron Menke's show, which I absolutely love, but that's I his listen shit. to that too. Love Aaron yeah. Menke, um, incredible, incredible guy. He's doing a tour Welcome soon. Welcome to Lore. Welcome to Lore. I'm Aaron Menke. <laughs> uh, super nice guy from the Midwest. Lives near uh, the Florida Gators now in Gainesville. Oh, um, so he's a good dude. Sounds like a fun place. Yeah, if you're not listening to Lore, you should definitely check it out. Um, he also has a really cool other podcast, which he did an entire. The whole thing is on Salem Witch Trials. So if that's something that stokes you, Ooh. yeah, check out. I haven't out. listened to that one. What's yeah, that I one think it's called? called Unobscured. Unobscured. All right, I'm Unobscured. In. And that, his first season of that is all the Salem Witch Trials, and that is incredible. That's uh, awesome. More weight! More um, weight. I, I nailed that quote. You did. I nailed it. You did. Witch! 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 I mean, they did press a button and make stuff happen. Right. Just real quick, I mean, there was never a burning of any witch in None. America. That, that's there was a true. pressing. His name was Giles Corey, and he said, more weight. more weight. And the reason why he said more weight, do you remember why? Because he was not going to give in. And why wouldn't he give in? For his wife. And what else? Uh, he wasn't going to admit he was a witch. And his wealth. Oh, yeah. He was a, he was a wealthy uh, landowner. More weight. More weight. <laughs> Oh wait, Harry Potter! <laughs> Always you lose, Harry Potter. <laughs> no, he won. He did win, and you were a Horcrux, a Horcrux. 
That's what. Oh, you're a Horace Crux. I'm a Horace Crux. Um, I love Harry Potter. Me too. How much do you love Harry Potter? Both my kids have Harry Potter middle names. It's insane. Dexter Sirius and Bowie Bellatrix, and yes, she is named after David Bowie. She is. And I like to say that my son is named after Dexter Holland of The Offspring, but my wife would disagree. She would disagree, and she'd yeah. be right. She named him after Dexter, the serial killer who kills serial killers. Oh, well, I mean, you know, yeah, you got to start somewhere. Let's, let's stick right? positive, right? All right, so, you know, just to key wrap that first tw- that first 25 minutes, uh, we love everybody we've worked with. We appreciate everything that the historians and Lemp historians have done before us, and hopefully, you know, we can continue to work together. Um, Stephen did mention something to me that's very interesting. Um, basically, Charles's note. We can start right there at the note, and then we'll go right. into a little bit of his life. Charles's note is um, St. Louis, Missouri, May 9th, nineteen forty nine. Right. Okay. And so, in in Stephen Walker's head, he always puts the date of his death as May 9th. Now, legally, it's not. It's May tenth, and that's that was when he was pronounced dead. Correct. And. Um, but he wrote this letter on May 9th, 1949, and it says, In case I am found dead, blame it on no one but me. And that's Charles A. Lemp, the A standing for his um, great-grandfather, Adam. So Charles Adam Lemp. And he, at that point, with his right hand, takes a revolver, cult revolver, um, with all his rheumatoid arthritis. With all the rheumatoid arthritis. Arthritis. Um, and he, he puts it to his temple and basically the bullet doesn't go all the way through. The bullet actually merges out of the left side of the brain, according to the coroner's report. And Charles is dead. Um, he is at this point, 77 years old. Um, it's 1949 and he is basically the last of the line, except for Edwin. Edwin, who ain't having any kids. Who's not having any kids. And so Edwin... Uh, lives actually an additional 20, 21 years. 21 years. Yeah. Um, he dies in 1970 and at the ripe old age of 90, I believe. And He's Richard, born in 1880. So. Richard Lay met him as a child. So Richard Lay is, um, yes. He's the, he is the, uh, he runs Bell Fountain Cemetery. I don't know what his actual He's a VP. Are. He's the VP? He's the vice president. And so and he one was of the nicest telling guys. us that. And so Dan Fuller, too. All those guys yeah. are incredibly full of knowledge, always nice, always jovial. Never have I ever seen those guys in a bad mood. Super full of knowledge. So, remember him taking us back and showing us those huge ledgers from way back in the day? Yeah. And all the keys? Yeah. Those yeah. keys were awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, um, so Stephen actually has this, if you're not following Lemp, The Haunted History, it's a really cool follow. He's got about almost 1,040 followers, which is pretty awesome. Um, and he posted this a couple days ago at 6 a.m. in the morning. Um, and basically his post went on to say that Charles Lemp became the third and last Lemp to take his own life in the family mansion, and that is correct. There's been three suicides in the mansion. In the mansion. All by revolvers. Right. William the first took his life by the head. And he was the 38. It was a 38, yes. And we know that William II was also a 38. Yes, in the chest. We don't know. I have not seen the caliber on the gun used. We know it was all revolvers. Oh, I Um, thought that one was the 38, too. Isn't that what he carried? 
Well, Willie, Billy did. Yeah, Billy. Yeah, Billy is a thirty-eight. His yeah. dad was a thirty-eight. We don't know what Charles. Was we didn't like. know what Charles was. And at. Charles has a ton of guns. Ton of guns. He's like flintlocks and yeah. There was a Remington twenty-two, a bunch of over and under and yeah. side by side shotguns and you know you think if you I mean not not that uh, you know I'm trying to do anything but I would choose a a shotgun over a handgun. Yeah. I mean, if I want to do it, I want to make sure that I don't mess it up. Yeah. Absolutely, and I mean, so Charles. Not to be too morbid, but you know, one of the reasons why we're 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 going to start with Charles is because it is May. Uh, it is right. the anniversary of his death, um, May tenth. And you know, when we look at Charles, when we look at you know some of the things that that we've done, and you know, Charles kind of always gets overlooked because it's nineteen forty nine. It's right, not it's as way after the rest yeah. of them. It's after the boom of the Lemp family, too. I mean, the Lemp's right. family, I mean, that part of St. Louis where the mansion is has kind of fall to ruin. Uh, right. Some writers has painted it as gloomy, the gloomy old mansion. Um, and so it doesn't have that spark that it once did. You have to understand that, like, the Lemp family is, is, is a very passionate subject amongst its historians, but also this film company. Right. Um, and so... We do covet our information, but we have never not shared information. When somebody's asked for it, we've always given it to them. We've actually absolutely we've given um, Stephen unparalleled stuff that we found in the archives in the bowels of the buildings here. We've found stuff that the newspapers didn't know about back in the day. Exactly, because the you know the newspapers were trying to make money, print money, and they had two editions to do, and so they just kept running through it. And so some of the things here in this post that that we can't find, right? So I know this sounds like. You know, it sounds harsh, but conjecture yep. is something that is made up, right? So everything's conjecture unless you can prove it, right? And then there's libel. That's me right. ash canning somebody without any proof. And I can get sued for that. Right. And so conjecture is not a bad word, nor does it, you know, renege anybody's intelligence or historical content. But in order for me to put it in a film, I would need to see that piece of paper. Right. And so what I'm about to read here is... Um, his body is taken. And so this is kind of where everything kind of got a little weird. Charles has arranged his funeral in advance, which there's no documentation on this that I could find. No. And I have his entire will sitting in front of me. Um, I, mean, maybe, I mean, there was nothing in the will that, oh, I want to be cremated. You know, nothing. Put me on a, you know, cut my head off, put it on oh. a pike pole outside the house. And right. Like Captain Kidd, put me in a cage outside while I rot. Um, throw me dead naked in an alley in East St. Louis. Yeah, sounds like a Lindenwood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and he requested immediately upon his death, um, his body was to be conveyed by ambulance, which that's a weird request. Um, what else would they put you in? Uh, a horse? Back um, of a pickup truck, maybe? Pickup <laughs> Just truck. throw him in with the, uh, the horse feet. Put him on a Clydesdale yeah. um, and ride him out um, to the Missouri Crematorium. A crematory, which is, I thought that was an ice cream place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> smells like barbecue in there, though. <laughs> Deep fried kitty cat. Um, <laughs> um, it was not to be bathed, changed, or clothed. No services were to be held over the body, nor was a death notice to be published. Instead of being interred in the family mausoleum, he ordered that his ashes be placed in a wicker box and buried on his farm, the location of which remains unknown. 
So it's a beautiful post. It's there's a, there's some there's some discrepancies that we kind of countered inside our arguments, um, which um, mine has since been deleted. Um, So, yeah. Ta-da! Magic. The magic of social media. Well, maybe not. Hold on. No, it's still there. Okay, good. Good, good. Yeah, I posted the death certificate where it says May 10th. I also posted, you know, also the bit about burning my body and sprinkling ashes, more conjecture. Here's the one page of his will. Couldn't find anywhere that that occurred. That's not a dig. That's the truth. Um, Show me the paper. Right? Right. When you're a writer, you have a little bit more liberties with libel. Um, You can have a little bit more exaggeration. Right. Um, When you do a film and it gets airtime, because not everybody reads. We know this by now. (laughs) Right. But they will watch a movie, and you get the right person watching that movie before you know it. You're in big trouble. You're in big fucking trouble. Yep. Um, Our lawyers have stressed the importance of libel, have stressed the importance of the First Amendment right, have stressed the importance of conjecture. Allegedly, they have. (laughs) (laughs) You need three people to fucking ostrich. And <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Hashtag Little Kenny. Anyway, um, but, you know, it goes kind of back and forth um, a little bit. John Sarkis, who, incredible researcher, actually lived on the property right. um, where the ashes are built. And it's actually the, the 6902 Christopher. It overlooks the Mississippi. It had served as the summer home of Charles Lemp, of the Lemp Brewery family. After he committed suicide, the Lent Mansion, he was cremated, and his cremains, that was pretty smart. Cremains? Cremains, that was pretty badass. I love John Sarkis. Yeah. He's got some cool words there. Um, supposedly, is, that, is, that a, is that a real word, or did he make that up? I think he made that up. That's pretty badass, though. It's awesome. I've never heard cremains before. No, I've never heard that either. It's pretty badass. I've had an ex you know shirt. By the way, our fucking shirts are for sale, and we have like maybe three left. Yeah. They sold like hotcakes. It's um, Hot Living Our Best Afterlife. They're still for sale on our website. They literally sold like Uncle Bill's pancakes. Unbelievably fast. Yes. And so good and deep. What? Um, what? You know more about that than me. That's fucking weird. <laughs> You're fucking up, bud. You're fucking up, bud. Um. <laughs> hey, I got to cuss on this one. I've always been the one who was never cussing. I know. It's all right. Whatever. People know us by now. So after he committed suicide, the Lent Mansion, he was cre- <laughs> cremated, and his cremains, cremains allegedly are buried here on what would become our property 10 years later. So the flagstone driveway was flanked by 16 maple trees, which were fun to climb, but raking leaves provided a massive chore. Each fall, hard to see in this photo, but between each set of trees were lilies and yucca plants. Wow. Planted by Latanoa Limbs, her husband. Eugene was president of Southwestern Bell. Oh, sorry, that's Latawana. Um, and their home, uh, the Nims Estate would later become Bee Tree Park. After suffering a house fire, our home was sold to the Hoffmeister family, who would tear it down in 1975, watching river traffic daily from my window, and even having a cave on our property. It's no wonder Mark Twain was one of my favorite authors. I felt like a character from one of his books. In the 1880s, the J.S. Meyer family purchased the farm from the Blow Estate. Most are aware of the Blow's family association with local history with everything from the Iron Mountain Railroad to kindergartens in Dred Scott. They also own much of the land in what would later become known as Oakville. 
In addition to the log house covered the clapboard siding that we lived in, Lemp's farm had a caretaker's house with a little water tower holding water pumped into the Mississippi to irrigate the vineyard and the orchards during the dry months. Other structures included a two-story log garage and a barn. One unique feature was a phone which connected the house and the barn. Charles Lemp purchased the farm in the 1920s, and after his suicide at Lemp Mansion, his estate sold the farm in the 1950 to Robert Kilpatrick, a retired um, uh, fall staff and executive. He purchased the house from him in 1959. It's a beautiful story that John Sarkis talked about and reliving on Lemp's property, living on that farm. And I just thought it was just beautiful to share that amongst awesome. everything else. It was just gorgeous. And he has a picture here. A two-story log garage. Yes. He has a picture here of the house, which we are going to um, post to our Facebook, um, which is just incredible and gorgeous. And, you know, for what it's worth, you know, suicide is a terrible way out. It We've is. both been touched by suicide. We have. You had family, direct yeah. family, um, that had committed suicide. I had a lot of friends that have committed suicide. My friends have had friends that commit suicide. And it's, it's a terrible act of whether it's mental anguish or depression, whether we lose our battles with it or not. Um, it's part of who the lamps are. Right. We know that. And, you know, aside from Elsa, which is an alleged suicide. Right. Which we have continuously hoped to prove to be foul play. But even, even saying that, you know, to some degree of conjecture, um, well, unless you see our film, and then maybe you'll sit where we do. Right. Um, That's true. There, there is a lot to understanding, like, Charles in and of itself. Um, and, and the man that, that, that would become king, right, when you look at it. He, he, he has this uh, just ability to kind of get lost with the sauce of all the the limps, you know, because Charles was really reserved from the family. Right. Um, he was born in December 30th in 1871 um, in the city of St. Louis. Um, he died, of course, on May 10th. His burial was at Hillcrest Abbey uh, Crematorium and Mausoleum in St. Louis, St. Louis City, Missouri, USA. Do you think we could tie his death to the exorcist case (laughs) (laughs) same year that was a rough year for st louis you know yeah it was um his plot is at the missouri crematorium believe it or not he does have a plot there and his memorial id is one two nine six nine zero six nine five um so so that's probably where he's at that's probably where he's at um now like i said uh stephen walker has specifically talked to the person uh, that conducted the cremation and the spreading of the ashes, and that's great, and that's awesome. We can't use it until we have paperwork that actually says that. Um, I guess we need to take ourselves over there and see if old Chuck's in the in the box. <laughs> exactly. What's in the box? <laughs> it it turns out it's Chuck. <laughs> um, he was the grandson of Lemp Brewery founder Joe, Johan Adam Lemp. Um, he's the third son of William, William Jacob and um, Julia Freckard Lemp. Um, in 1917, he left the brewery going into banking and finance, which he excelled in. Um, he was the last member of the Lemp family to live in the Lemp mansion. He lived there with his dog and two servants until his death. He never married. I thought he had two dogs. He had one dog. Huh. I always thought he had two. I thought he only shot one. 
Yeah. Well, Charles was a part of a lot of different escapades as well. I mean, he did a lot of things with politics. He ran for a couple offices and was always defeated for numerous reasons why he was defeated in those races. He, um, uh, he dabbled in organized crime. He did, he did dabble in organized crime with the Egan's Rats. Um, if you read the book Egan's Rats, it actually talks about uh, Charles Lamp, Louis Lamp, and Edwin uh, doing a lot of things with the Egan Rats. I mean, the Egan's Rats would go around stuffing ballot boxes and stuff like that. So there's a lot of corruption there. Um, his his um, his will is interesting, right? Um, at the time in 1949, we know that Lewis's child is still around, yes, um, Louise, and she married um, her cousin. I mean, totally legit. There, <laughs> they were never to have kids. That was the condition of the family. They accepted the love. They were first cousins. They were never to have children. Cousin loving. And this is interesting, right? Because this is a lot about like what happens when you marry your first cousin, which once again right. debunks the monkey myth. Right. They knew what would happen. Exactly. And because of so much time they spent with the children and the orphanages where you know children had handicaps and deformities, they understood how things went down and how things would happen when you're breeding so close to the, li- the lineage. Right. And so that was the... We don't really get a lot into them either. Uh, Louise was, a, was actually loved children too, and she was actually a children's book writer. She wrote a bunch of books too. Right. Um, but getting back to Charles, um, he doesn't leave her anything, which I always thought was just uh, completely strange. Like, Charles dies. Um, and he's like, you're out. Th- there is a story um, that his Doverman pincher which was a red Doverman pincher. Um, he shoots the dog first. In the chest. In the chest. That's weird. Yes. There's nothing on this. Nothing. Dog's named Serva. The dog is named Serva, and that's named after the non-alcoholic beer. It's a red Doverman pincher. And how this story surfaces, I found the origin of the story, but I never actually found that printed anywhere. Right. I looked in the Globe Democrat, which you can only look at one place. That's the Mercantile Library. If you want to go somewhere super cool to look up archives. It's awesome. The Globe Democrat was one of the best newspapers. Legitimate newspapers, ethical newspapers. It's unlike not like the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Post-Dispatch is the worst piece of shit newspaper ever owned by the fucking Pulitzers. Why do you think the Pulitzer Prize even exists? Why does it exist, Jeremy? Please enlighten me. Joseph Pulitzer was such a muckraker back in the day Mm -hmm. that he actually created this this prize, the Pulitzer Prize for ethics in reporting to, like, apologize for being such a piece of crap. Yeah, because the only person that really reports on Elsa's suicide on the actual day of the suicide is the Post-Dispatch. Funny how the Globe Democrat only posts on the, on the next day after it, which would be uh, March 21st. You mean it's, when they can find facts? Exactly. In fact, the Globe Democrat is the only one that talks about the police investigation into her death. Right. Funny how the Post-Dispatch never mentioned anything. Nothing. Funny how the Pulitzers and the Fordyces are very good friends to this day. Huh. Unfucking believable I don't... What, what, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. Well, that's not even conjecture. That's the fucking truth. Yeah, it is. Okay. So... Getting back to, um, we can see we're pretty passionate about Elsa, and, and it's just so much bullshit. Um, so at the end of the day, what are you um, gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I am. It, Charles is actually. There's, there's a couple of people. Me. Oh, we needed one of those. Yeah, it's a shitty one though. Uh, Tasted like hot sauce. 
Oh, not the burnt ends? No, it tasted more like the, the hot barbecue sauce. You know what barbecue does, dude? Barbecue does let you loose in a, oh, in a toilet yeah. sometimes. Oh, yeah. Man, that smells like a fucking smokehouse when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as good as Cheerio pee. <laughs> smells like a Virginia baked ham in here. <laughs> could smell worse. I could have had hot sauce and wings. <laughs> you ever, uh, ever uh, take the dirt road home? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys could tell, but right now we're stuck on Letter Kenny. We're going to go see Letter Kenny. We are uh, going to see Letter June Kenny. June 23rd. We're excited. We're going to Chicago. We're going to Vic Theater. I think they're sold out, and they should be. They're hilarious. It's, it's their first American tour date. It is. So we're, we're seeing them the first time. And we're getting all the shirts. All of them. And, you know, and I don't know if you guys watch Trailer Park Boys. Frankie hates it, but I absolutely love it and apparently there's some they're there's in the same and it's there's sketch comedy i mean it's but there's there's uh, allegedly in the same universe so yeah. we could hope for a crossover because letter kenny is yeah. in i mean the amish letter people, kenny the amish people play two different parts well so the guy who played what was his name dickless. something dick dickless dickless yeah so the guy who plays dickless is j-rock from Right, that's what From I'm saying. So the universe really boys. can't cross, but I guess they can. Anyway, back to Charles Lemp. A uh, little derailment there. <laughs> we need those sounds, but we're not going to do that. We don't have the fucking time. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about Charles's estate when he dies. He has $3.4 million in 1949. Run an, run an inflation calculator He's on that. poor. 3.4? $3.4 million. Inflation. Today, what we tried to do is prove the new piano at the Lent Mansion was actually in the house on the estate sale, and it is not listed in Charles's will. There is no piano. We went through everything. Um, just could not find it. Does not mean that it didn't exist and it wasn't his or wasn't listed. Maybe at some point they uh, decided to keep it or it was going to be given to somebody, and then it sold after. Uh, we were really hoping to find that um, that one piece of the piano, which would have been really cool for the Lent Mansion to kind of hang over it. Um, we just could not. We were, we were unable to come up with it. Um, it is upstairs. It is beautiful. If you haven't been to the Lent Mansion, another place to go and get some beautiful grub, but also to kind of look at the history. And, and when, we, when me and Jeremy went through the entire will of um, Charles Whoa. today, what do we got? 36,506,000. Thousand eight hundred fifty-seven and fourteen cents. Fourteen cents. So three point four million came out to thirty-six five. So when he died, it was worth thirty-six million dollars. And um, poor bastard. <laughs> poor bastard. <laughs> I love my dead gay son. <laughs> uh-huh. Name that movie, and we'll give you a shirt. I love that movie. Okay, you're gonna. So if you're listening to this podcast, all you simply have to do is name the movie where this quote is from. I love my dead gay son. <laughs> when you name that movie, we will send you out a shirt at no cost to you. Just post it right on our Graveyard Shift Facebook, and we're going to give away some shirts. That movie has some pretty incredible uh, quotes. So um, we're looking at Charles's stuff. Old Colonel Clink. As it's, old Colonel Clink's stuff, as it, as it sounds. And... We just want to kind of like highlight some things that we thought were kind of weird. Man, he had a lot of guns. Oh my god, he had an arsenal. Yeah, his garage alone 
was one lot of uh, chattel comprising of two step letters, a lawn roller, a paper baller, a gas plate, boiler, lawnmower. This is 1949. His laundry room, his garage, um, he had a couple different types of cars. Um, he had a vault room, first floor, um, which he didn't really keep golden anymore. They had two old combination steel safes. Um, they had two units of uh, wooden filling cat. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And we would love to, you know, share all of this with you guys. Um, we'll have it downloaded from the probate court. If you are interested in Charles's uh, remains, <laughs> <laughs> tastes like. Go ahead and snort the lawn out on Christopher Road. <laughs> <sighs> So delicious. Um, so Jeremy, he dies, and the taxes at this point, it's not like you know, 1920, right? right. Um, they have to pay the inheritance tax, which is a fucking terrible tax, which I think is now gone. Um, but thank you, DT. But they took out in um, 1.4 million dollars of his inherit the inheritance that he left. That's a that's a sharp taxes take 1.4 million dollars. This is June, July 24th, 1951. This is two years after the Olympus State is still going on. This is after Charles dies. This is in the Globe Democrat, which is the best newspaper source for material and research. Um, the inheritance tax on the $3.4 million, which in our money today would be about $36 million. Um, a state of the late Charles um, Adam Lett, member of the Pioneers St. Louis Brewing family, amounted to $1.4 million. It was revealed yesterday. Missouri inheritance taxes on the estate, valued in its original inventory at only $1.1 million, totaled 301000 according to a report filed by Frank L. Look at this guy's last name, huh? Rama Makati. Um, <laughs> he's Italian? Um, nah. Court-appointed appraiser at the approval of probate judge, Judge Glendy. And the Arnold federal taxes were listed at $1.1 million. The actual um, valuation of stocks apparently accounted for most of the increase in the inventory. The stocks were listed at $7,041,000, but for tax purposes, they totaled $3.1 million. Lemp shot and killed himself May 10, 1949, at the old family home, where his father and older brother had taken their lives as well. The inventory was, um, was filed later by his brother, Edwin A. Lemp, who was named co-executor with the St. Louis Trust. Um, Edwin received $50,000. And then the rest of the money, Jeremy, it only goes to three other people. This is where it gets a little weird. It does get a little, little, little strange. So um, there's a story inside about Charles's life and when he dies that Richard Hawes, okay? So now Charles worked with Richard's father, Dick right. Hawes. Um, and Dick Hawes was at one point what is a senator here in uh, Missouri. I believe he was a senator. I think so. Um, and so Richard Hawes is Dick Hawes' son, very political influence. Richard's actually the one that finds the note. Now, Richard is married to Frederick's daughter, Frederick Lemp, his brother's daughter, and that would be Marion Lemp, so Marion Lemp Hawes, um, who she still has family alive in Chicago, right? which we're not going to mention their name because we shouldn't, but we know them. We've talked to them on the phone. They've sent me a lovely book. Um, that they've written on the family. It's called Gateway Families. Um, so you can do the math there. Buy the book. Read the book. Um, if you can do math. And figure it out. You're going to have to do that Singapore math. So relatives to share Charles Lemp estate. Relatives will share the estate of Charles A. Lemp, descendant of a pioneer St. Louis brewing family, according to a will filed yesterday in probate court. There was no estimate of the estate's value. Lemp shot and killed himself early Tuesday at the 87-year-old family home at 3322 um, 
South 13th, which is now Damon No Place. They should call it Lemp Place. Well, Lemp Ave's the next street over. So. I know, but... It doesn't make sense. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Either. Well, it does because Adam Lemp owned that street, too. Right? Right. Yeah. That's true. So, Lemp shot and killed himself, blah, 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 blah. Figure it out. Free dude. <laughs> and older brother also had taken their own lives. A sister, Miss Elsa Lemp Wright, also committed suicide. No, she didn't. Um, a specific bequest of $50,000 goes to his brother, Edwin, A. Lemp of St. Louis. Hey who, there, Eddie. Who was named executor along with St. Louis Trust Company. Two daughters of a deceased nephew, Jeffrey Conta, Conta. are to split one half of the, of the um, residual. Split it. They are Anne Marie Brewer. And Phyllis Olivari of Hampstead, Long Island, New York. That's a name that I haven't heard. We've before. never heard an Italian name associated with this family, except for mine. And, right. that, and let me tell you. What something. about Phyllis Diller? <laughs> uh, she's from St. Louis. The remaining one half of the residual goes to a niece, Marion Lemp Hawes, at 15 Bacardi, Clayton, Missouri. So. The niece, Marion, gets more money than the other two. Right. So, Brewer, um, so I guess Jeffrey Conta are to split one. So, it says two daughters of a deceased nephew, Jeffrey Conta. So, Jeffrey Conta was Annie Conta's son. Son. He had two daughters, Phyllis and Anne-Marie Brewer. They both married. One married, uh, one married of course, a German, Brewer, and the other one married an Italian. Um, so, Anne-Marie is still alive. We've talked to Anne Marie. Um, we have talked to um, Phyllis's son, who is Jeffrey too, named after Jeffrey Conta. Right. He's a good friend. He actually runs the Annie Lemp, which was his great 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 aunt, I think. And then his cousins are Anne Marie and Phyllis. Diller. No. I'm stuck on the Phyllis Diller. Yeah, thing. but don't do that because that's. Bad history. Um, so Phyllis Oliveri of Hempstead, Long Oliveri. Island, New York, where they all live. They're all in New York. Now, how we know about this and how we know about Jeffrey Conta is because Jeffrey Conta, um, which is named after his great uncle, who was the first lamp, right? So Annie right. marries Herbert Meyer first. They have a terrible fucking relationship. In the 1800s, 1880, 1890 to about 1900, and then she remarries Jeffrey Conta, who's a famous playwright. Kind of like a kind of a workaround, does a lot of different odd jobs. Um, and so Jeffrey is still much, very much alive, and he's a collector of silver. And we got to thinking, hey, um, do you have any of Elsa's possessions? Uh, this is a trip we take to Salem last year, right? And Jeffrey reaches out to us and he says, "Are you doing anything on Andrew Polson?" <laughs> and so he had a huge fight with Andrew Polson. Of course, if you don't know the story about Andrew Polson, you should read about it. Jenny Cooperman wrote an amazing article called The Last Lemp. In the RFT. In the RFT. Get that article, read it. It's incredible. Hilarious. It's She's just an incredible um, journalist. And she basically exposes this guy, blows the truth off. He basically claimed to be, and you've met the guy. I've met him. Yeah, you have a picture with him. It's kind of creepy. In in, in the Lemp Mausoleum. In, we should actually probably post that fucking picture, too, of you and Andrew Polson. Oh, I got it right here. Yeah, just post it to the Facebook page. Done. Um, I'll do it right now. 
And so, hey, this is our new podcast on uh, towards the end of the podcast. We're talking about Andrew Paulson because it does kind of relate to the inheritance. So this this is kind of where their inheritance came from. Um, we never ask about how rich somebody is, but you you have to understand they they were given millions of dollars. Um, Anne Marie actually had the the silverware uh, that was given to her from her great grandmother, which was Annie Conta Lemp. Uh, Anti Lemp Conta. Uh, I'm sorry, Annie uh, Lemp Conta was given to her, which was Elsa's silverware. She sold the silverware to Jeans on 43rd in New York City, right? Right. We go to New York City, and we call her Renee. One of the guys that works there is Renee. And I said, hey, in 2004, um, Annie Marie Brewer um, sold you guys some Tiffany silverware that belonged to a one Elsa Lemp. And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember that deal. That was a big one. Um, what are you looking for? I said, anything. Anything with Elsa's initials on. This is a true story. They had one piece left. And I said, I'll take it. He goes, you don't want to know what it is? I said, I don't care. I just want it. Does it have her monogram on it? And it does. It's E-J-L, her monogram, which was on the side of her car, because she's a badass, was on the side, was also on this silverware. On that silverware, there was one piece left. Schiff Films bought it, and they sent it out. We actually, um, they sent it out to us. Um, they mailed it out. We received it. We didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I bought. And when it got to my house, it was a silver spoon. That silver spoon. <laughs> <laughs> so was Elsa born with a silver spoon in her mouth? Well, maybe. But we do own a piece of Elsa Lemp treasure um, that we will also post um, to the Graveyard Shift um, uh, Facebook page so you can see the spoon. You can see um, Charles's farm where allegedly his ashes were spread. We don't know if that's true. We don't have any documentation on that. So, you know, like I said, it's uh, right now it's just speculation that that might have occurred. We do have a plot. We do have a plot number. Um, so he could be buried at the plot. Um, and this is basically part of history. As much as we would like to romanticize and make things fantasy in the fantasy realm, um, it's just not good. It's not good history. It's not good detective work, and it doesn't help anything. One of the most important things to do that we believe in history and researching is the very quintessential idea of telling the truth. No matter how much it's painful to people, no matter how much it's painful to people to hear, the truth will set you free, and it sets their souls free. They, they are constantly bound to these stories about Charles shooting a dog and then shooting himself, and that's just not true. Um, they let alone they didn't hear one shot go off, let alone hear two shots go off. There's no report of any dead dog in a house. And if there is, please send it to us. That's the one thing about history. It's the one thing that I was trying to explain to Stephen Walker, too. If you do have this evidence, then present it. That's what we do. We've been doing that since the beginning five years ago when we set out on this lump debunking thing. Um, oh, yeah. That's how it all started. It really did. It's just like we want this family to be appreciated. But the one thing that I'll leave you with about suicide is, you know, as we close our show tonight about Charles Lemp, who was a very, very jovial, funny hunter. He explored things, his, 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 his taste in art and his furniture and his music and the things that he left behind that, that were all sold at auction, of course. Just beautiful stuff. And he was a beautiful person and that did amazing things. And he was just done. At 77 years old, he couldn't use his hands anymore. He suffered from arthritis. And at that point, 1949, they didn't have medicines that would really cure him. And his last words were actually to Lena Bittner. 
and Lena Bittner was Albert Bittner's wife. They were the housekeepers and the takers of the home, and Lena was the actual cook. And Lena asked Mr. Charles Lemp how he was feeling, and he looked her dead in the eyes, and he said, I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. Um, graveyard shift, man. Oh, duh. I did that again. <laughs> and so that was basically Charles's, Charles's last words. is like, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. Um, so aside from him writing that note, we have these words from Charles that he was just lost. He was done. Um, we have a beautiful picture that not a lot of people do have of Charles and Edwin and Lewis and what we believe to be um, Lyons, who was Elsa's lawyer, all sitting at Cragwall together on the on the on the uh, on one of the borders. And not a lot of people have that picture. Um, when we come across it, we'll post it again. But this was a great family. This was a beautiful family. And unfortunately, our deaths should not make up what our lives were. Well, that's we should, true. We should simply understand that um, it's not how we die. It's how we lived. And for the Lemp family, for Charles, and for all the Lemps that went out tragically, let us not forget the life that they lived and the things that they did for the city of St. Louis. Without the Lemp family, we don't have German lager beer. It is America's pastime. It's what makes baseball great in the summertime, and it's because of them. We love our Budweiser's and we love our Bush, but at the end of the day, in 1839, when Adam Lemp came here, he brewed a beer, and that beer will forever go down in history as the first German lager. And if you haven't had a crispy beer at a ball game, it's because of them. Remember that first before you go around looking for monkey boys riding on Doberman Pinchers on the second floor of the Lent <laughs> Mansion. <laughs> Yeehaw! Yeehaw. From all of us at Graveyard Shift, we absolutely 100% love you. Do you have any closing thoughts, Jeremy? The monkey boy is fake. The monkey boy is fake. And Charles Limp looks like Colonel Clink. That's <laughs> like Colonel um, we're, we were going to do a show on the monkey boy, but since he's not real, we didn't do one. Yeah, um, nothing. We nothing. got nothing on him. Um, but please continue to listen. Please share this episode on Charles Lump. We love you. We love you guys. Uh, thanks for everything. And once again, uh, check out Paranormal Task Force. I think they're going to Kansas City next weekend. We're doing Kansas City next weekend. Uh, Hollow Waters on the... Well, it's a week from this... Well, no, it's Friday. Mm-hmm. This coming Friday, I don't know what the date is. I don't know if there's any tickets left either, but... We're doing hall, or, uh, the Ray County Museum Friday night, and Saturday night we are doing uh, Hollow Waters. That's so cool. Hollow Waters is such a cool place, and if you want to talk about the ghosts and spirits and stuff like that, which really didn't get into any of the hauntings of Charles. I mean, we might get into it in the next episode. Um, but for yeah, right I got now, a story about that one. Exactly, and we can we can save it for yeah. some of that stuff. But um, once again, check out Paranormal Task Force on Facebook. Um, they have two events coming up and a couple more through the year. Oh, yeah, um, we got some. There's a Pythian event. Pythian's uh, awesome. June 1st. Pythian is one of my favorite places. Yep, June 1st we'll be at the Pythian. And I'm sure there's one in November. There's always one in November. Sure. Right after Halloween. Absolutely. So you guys um, enjoy the week. Enjoy the show. Hope you love it. Uh, once again, I love my dead gay son. <laughs> Tell us the movie that that's from, and you're going to get a free 
living our best af- living our best afterlife living yeah. my best afterlife living t-shirt. my best afterlife with a beautiful fat logo of graveyard shift on the background graveyard shift graveyard shift <laughs> 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 